Welcome to Triad All-Stars. Where are they now? Hosted by Ryan Smith. And welcome back to another episode of Triad All-Stars. Former East Forsyth volleyball standout, Cadence Booth, joining me today. Cadence, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so great to have you on uh, live uh, from her Knoxville, Tennessee dorm room at the University of Tennessee. We'll get into that later. Cadence, let's start with your background. You grew up in Kernersville, North Carolina, but first you were actually born in Florida. So tell me about growing up uh, in both Kernersville and Florida and uh, what did sports look like there for you and how did you end up in North Carolina? Right. So I grew up in Florida and I ended up moving to North Carolina around the age of eight or nine. My parents actually split up. So I ended up going with my mother back to North Carolina because she's from Carnesville, born and raised as well. Um, sports have always been a huge thing in my life. My whole family is athletic. It feels like both my parents went to East Carolina. My dad played football. And my mom played softball there. And me and my sisters, even my cousins on that side, we have always been in sports, even since we were little. And growing up, uh, when did you discover volleyball? When did that itch come? So it's funny. I actually used to be a soccer player and I used to love it. And then I sort of realized that I started outgrowing all of the kids at a very rapid rate. And my older sister actually played volleyball and um, other people can say if you have a family member that plays volleyball, just going and watching the games can sometimes be very boring. So I actually hated it in the beginning. And so I decided, you know what, I want to give it a try. So around the age of 10, I started playing. Well, that led you uh, first to East Forsyth. Uh, we'll skip a uh, fast forward to there. Uh, this past senior year was a good one for you. Your high school career to close out, the team was 17 and 8 overall before falling in the second round of the state playoffs. What will you miss about East Forsyth as you head to college and just looking back at your entire career um, at East Forsyth, what made you a better volleyball player there? How did that, your, how did the, your time there make you a better volleyball player? So I think the thing I'm going to miss most about playing at East is just the culture and support that you get there. Kernersville is a small town, so everyone knows everyone. And whether it's a football game, a baseball game, a volleyball game, feels like the whole community is there cheering you on. Um, Volleyball has just always been so important, and I always have loved high school sports and the competition there. And just getting to play with my friends that I also see, like, during the school day was a lot of fun. We made a lot of fun memories. And I would say, overall, just the support that I even got from the staff at the school. Everyone had been cheering me on in these past four years, and definitely walking away was a very hard thing for me to do. And as you uh, wrap up before we get to college, you played volleyball uh, really for seven years growing up. You also played travel ball at Piedmont Volleyball Club. How valuable was the travel ball experience? Travel ball was probably one of the most beneficial things that I could have ever done. Really, it's such a big leap from high school ball. Um, playing travel ball, I gained a lot of experience. Um, also, just at Piedmont, I had one of the best coaches there, Kyle Milborn. He had been my coach since I was practically 10, 11 years old and kind of coached me all the way till I was 17. So he really helped me fundamentally and he helped me grow my volleyball game and skill. And I kind of took that into my high school career as well. 
And now uh, let's jump forward to your college career uh, just beginning uh, in Knoxville. You commit to the University of Tennessee. As you said at the top, your parents were athletes and attended East Carolina. You also have two sisters that played volleyball as well. So let's give our listeners a brief background. What did the recruiting process look like and why did you ultimately decide to become a volunteer? So it's kind of funny. My recruiting process is funny. I actually committed to come here at the age of 13. Um, I committed to UT before there was a huge rule change with um, athletics, especially in club volleyball. And now the rule changes that colleges couldn't even reach out to an athlete until their junior year. And so I was fortunate enough to go through my recruiting process at a very young age. And I know there's been some like skepticism about that because I know a lot of people are like, how are you going to know where, what you, where you want to go at yeah. the age of 14 and you don't even know what you want to eat for dinner that night. So right. it was a really big decision for me to make. And I think ultimately it came down to Kentucky and Tennessee. Ironically, those are my top two choices. And after just stepping on this campus and the coaching staff here, they were so supportive. They essentially watched me grow up. They were watching me play around the age of 11 and 12. And so having them in my life all these years, and they always stayed consistent about what their plans were for me and how confident they were in me growing up as a player. I knew as soon as I met them and as soon as I came here that I wanted to be a volunteer. And so let's go into this coming season, your freshman year, a little bit more. Uh, what do you hope to bring to this college volunteer squad? And what are you working on this offseason uh, prior to the fall freshman campaign? Right. So I just finished my spring season and I actually had a very, very good spring season, which is kind of exciting going into the offseason and then eventually preseason. Um, like I said, I am young, but I do think I bring a lot to the team. Um being an outside in college volleyball is can be very difficult because there are a lot of outsides and everyone is good, especially in the SEC. So I'm ready to just take my game to the next level. It's very exciting. It was definitely a big jump coming from high school to college, especially in the spring. Like I noticed my first couple practices, I was like, dang, I feel really behind. Like I don't feel like I should be here, but like I said, the coaches and the team were very supportive in everything that I did. And eventually it just kind of clicked for me. And so having um, my end of year meeting with the coaches, we're very excited going into the fall season. And I'm just on a team with a group of girls that are just very gritty and competitive. And we are excited for this season. And I'm excited to be a part of it as well. Awesome. And as we wind down, what is something people don't know about Cadence Booth. Take us behind uh, the curtain a little bit. What, what is a few things we, uh, the outsider would not know about Cadence Booth? Okay, I love this question, but I also hate this question because I'm like, do I want to tell myself or do I keep it like, let's see. Um, I'm a very bubbly person. I'm sure you can tell, but I'm also a jokester. I like playing pranks on people. Um, I also love shopping. I'm sure some people know. Um, I don't know. I, I'm very open as well. So I feel like a lot of people know a lot about me, but, um, I love animals and I just kind of keep things fun. I always try to stay in a positive and good mood because no one wants to be sad all the time. 
but I think my personality can be very surprising to some people because I'm just always so outgoing. And uh, last question for you. As um, the season goes along, uh, the University of Tennessee coming up and just during the offseason while you're training, where can people find you on social media if they want to connect with you? Yeah, so I'm actually on Instagram. It's just my name. Um, also, we'll have a lot of like the SEC Network also has an Instagram and Ball Volleyball has an Instagram where you can go and find players like me or other players on the team. And I also have a Twitter that is just also my name. Excellent. Well, look forward to watching you from afar this year coming up for your freshman fall campaign at the University of Tennessee. As I said at the top, Cadence Booth is an ex-standout of East Forsyth High School, a current freshman at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Cadence, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for coming today here on Triad All-Stars. Good luck on uh, the rest of this offseason, and we look forward to watching you. Thank you so much. Welcome to Triad All-Stars. Where are they now? Hosted by Ryan Smith. And welcome in to another edition of Try at All-Stars. My name is Ryan Smith. Joining me today, former Greensboro Grimsley High School quarterback standout, Alonza Barnett III. Alonza, how are you today? I'm doing well, Ryan. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's great to have you on. Let's get right into your background. We'll start with that. You grew up in Winsett, North Carolina. Tell me about growing up and then how did your passion for football come about? So I'm actually from the Greensboro area. We recently just uh, moved to Whitsitt this past year. So uh, just growing up, uh, being a sports family, my mom running track, my little sister running track, uh, my dad playing football, baseball when he was younger, football primarily as he got older, and my aunts and uncles, you know, participating in sports as well. Sports was always around me, and it was something that uh, we tried out. And so uh, that's how it's always been. Yeah, and so you talked about being originally from Greensboro. You go to Grimsley High School. That is where you starred as a quarterback for uh, Grimsley. This past senior year was an outstanding one for you and the entire team. Uh, you went 11-1 and overall, 7-0 in conference play before falling in the second round of the state playoffs. Just for our listeners, a little bit of background from your time at Grimsley, the 2021 uh, Friday nights in Carolina, first team All-State, 2021 Metro 4A Offensive Player of the Year, uh, the 4A State Championship Game MVP in 2020-2021 season, the first team All-Area as both a junior and senior, the Carolina Bowl MVP, the North Carolina and South Carolina Shrine Bowl selection, and finally, as an overall resume, you helped Grimsley to a 2020-2021 4A State Championship, a 2019 semifinal berth, and 2021 second round. And then while you were starting on the football field, you also had time to do Spanish and National Honor Society, chess club, things like that. So a well-rounded accomplishment in your high school career. As you drift off to college, which we'll talk about in just a second, what are you going to miss most about Grimsley and your time, not only on the football field, but off the field as well? Uh, Grimsley, that was a special place, a special program. I'm tremendously grateful to be a part of that place, uh, Coach Brown and his staff. They do a tremendous job not only preparing us on the field, but also off the field. And 
Uh, I was just tremendously appreciative to go in and have tremendous seniors like Quentin, Trey Buckram, Nate Crawford, Caleb Curtin, uh, Travis Shaw, Lawson Albright, to name a few. And uh, that year was really a growing year for me. Uh, I was uh, grateful to leave there with a state championship that year, uh, transitioning to my senior year. Of course, uh, the goal was to go back to back and it didn't finish up how we wanted it to. So uh, that, that one still stings a little bit, but I know that it was a tremendous year for growth for the younger guys on both sides of the ball. They got to uh, experience uh, football at the varsity level. And Coach Brown, I know they're motivated and they'll have them for this year as well, have them ready for this year. And so we'll transition now to the college ranks. Uh, we'll talk first about your family, which you kind of mentioned in the beginning. Um, your family has quite the sports background. Your father played football at North Carolina A&T back in the day, 1988 to 1983, before playing professionally with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then both your uncles, one, Troy, played football at North Carolina before joining the New England Patriots in Washington Redskins. Your others, Uncle Sean Barnett, played basketball here locally in Mount Olive. So this year you go to James Madison. That's your freshman year com coming up in here this fall. Tell us about the recruiting process and ultimately why you ended up in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, the recruiting process wasn't <laughs> easy at all. Uh, definitely a lot of ups and downs, a lot of bumpy roads, but I'm tremendously grateful for uh, Coach John Miller, Coach Signetti, and the whole coaching staff for uh, trusting and believing in me. Uh, I had been keeping steady contact with Coach Signetti throughout the season, just sending him my film, uh, keeping in contact, checking in on their season as we both had our season at the same time in the spring. And as we transitioned during the summer, I started uh, going to different camps and all that. That's when I got in contact with Coach John Miller, the running backs coach. And uh, he was just talking to me about how they feel about me, the their recruiting process, how they feel about things, and would love for me to come up to camp. And that's when Coach Sinceri was hired uh, last summer. So uh, I got in contact with him immediately. Uh, we talked a couple of times on the phone, and I was up there at camp, had a tremendous camp experience, earned an offer, and committed on the spot. Awesome. And JMU obviously is uh, making the leap uh, to another conference this year. So uh, actually in the coming years, I should say. So a uh, big rise for JMU coming up and it's a good time to be with the program. So uh, looking forward to seeing you jump in that level and uh, start off in the college ranks. Now a little bit farther down into James Madison specifically, what do you hope to bring to the squad this fall? And as you prepare for your freshman campaign uh, this football season, what are some of your offseason goals? Uh, right now, I'm in a position to where uh, I'm gaining the trust and respect of my teammates and coaches. First off, that's what I want to do. So I'm very, I'm a very observative person. So I, I look at the senior guys, you know, Tuck, uh, Reggie Brown, Chris Storing, Ravenel, Wesley McCormick, and a couple of those guys both on both sides of the ball, see how they interact with teammates, just how they work. And I try to implement what they do in, into my daily life. Uh, what I hope to get out of this is to <clears throat> just grow. Uh, each day is a step in the process. And I know if I just keep my head down and grind and focus on the process, which Coach Sincerely talks about being process driven, uh, then I'll get the results that I would like. Always great to have uh, a good mindset going in and obviously having some senior leadership uh, to look up to as well. Going off the field, I mentioned a little bit of your uh, off the field activities, such as chess clubs, Spanish mm -hmm. National Honor Society. What are a few other things off the field that folks should know about Alonzo Barnett? Uh, just like any other teenager, college guy, I enjoy video games. So uh, sometimes I'll be on Call of Duty Madden with some of the guys, and it gets pretty heated on there. We're all competitive and we want to win. But uh, 
other than that, I enjoy hanging out with friends and just uh, enjoying the simple things in life. Sometimes we uh, we're so busy into our work uh, and things that we do that we don't just sit back and relax. So I'm just like any other person. I like to relax and have fun with my friends. Absolutely. And uh, as we wind down here, where can people follow you on social media uh, and connect with you this upcoming season? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Alonza B, I, I, I. It's the same on every platform. I try to keep it simple. Uh, those are places that I can be connected with. Awesome. Well, as I said at the top, Alonza Barnett, the third former Greensboro Grimsley quarterback, has been joining me today here on Triad All-Stars. And he is entering the freshman season at James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where we will certainly be watching. Alonzo, it's been great having you here on Triad All-Stars. Thank you for joining me. Best of luck heading into your freshman season. Thank you, Ryan. Welcome to Triad All-Stars. Where are they now? Hosted by Ryan Smith. And welcome back to Triad All-Stars. Joining me today, the head girls soccer coach at Northwest Guilford High School, Coach Terry Murphy. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, thanks. It's great to have you on. Looking forward to this conversation. So let's just jump right into it. Talk to me about your background growing up in the sports world and then how you um, got to go um, playing soccer. I grew up in Virginia Beach. um, It's a Navy town. Um, uh, My mom put me in soccer. My dad was out to sea. Um, Dad probably would have wanted me to play baseball um, because he's a big baseball guy growing up, but since he was out to sea, mom didn't like baseball. So she stuck me in, ba- in soccer, uh, which I think is, was perfect for me because I was high energy bouncing off the walls all the time. Um, and so, uh, you know, from there, I just kept going through the sport and, uh, went on into high school. Um, you know, we, we were at, a. uh, uh, pretty a pretty uh diversified high school you could say um so i had a lot our friends came from everywhere but the crazy thing was about our high school is that uh we all came from the same neighborhood because it was a navy um it was a navy town and um all of us moved into the same neighborhood all at the same time so we're all the same age so you know on my high school team there were uh 11 or 12 of us who were seniors who were all the same age all from the same neighborhood um, so we, uh, we had grown up playing with each other and basically pushed each other to get better and better and better. Um, kind of probably thought I knew I was going to be a coach. Uh, when I started, when I started, you know, asking questions of my coach in high school, you know, why he did certain things or when he started giving me more, um, responsibilities on the field, uh, I was in charge of all the, uh, uh, set piece plays, um, you know, what we run, when we run it, how we run it, um, you know, all those things, the timing of it. Um, and so, uh, you know, if I, when I look back at it, I can kind of see the evolution of it, um, happening. Um, then I went to college, uh, uh went and played club ball at Auburn, um, and at Auburn, um, you know, we had a great coach for a number of years. Uh, and then our coach left, um, he started with the girl, he started the girls, uh, division one program there. So eventually had a, uh, 
a chance to start coaching there, um, uh, the club team there. And so my super senior year, uh, I decided to not play and um, begin my coaching career from there. And when I came back to Virginia, uh, my high school coach gave me my first uh, assistant job. Um, I was teaching in the building and um, my local club that I played for, which was Beach FC, uh, they um, helped me out a lot. They sent me to schools. They sent me to go get my licensures. So I have an advanced national, you know, a national and advanced national from United Soccer Coaches Association, um, which I wouldn't have been able to do on my own without the club helping me do that. And, uh, and that's just where it started. And then I got the head coaching job, uh, a couple of years later, he wanted, he was having little kids or he was having, uh, his kids are getting older. Um, he decided to switch over to the girls side, uh, cause they ended in Virginia girls, the girls teams play, uh, the same season as the boys teams. Um, but they played the early games. So they played the five thirty match and the boys played the seven o'clock match. And since his kids were about middle school age or, um, right around there, he wanted to be home. Uh, so he switched over to the girl side and I took the boy side and that's just went rolling from there. And let's talk about, um, the current team at Northwest this year. The uh, girls are off to a 10 and one start overall, a five and one in conference play. What has been the key to that success so far in this 2022 season? Um, it's, you know, this year. The, the past two years when we had our pandemic years, um, which I, you know, I, I refer to them as a blip all the time because it's, you, you almost forget that they had, they happened. Um, you know, the conference was down a little bit. We had shortened seasons. Uh, some players didn't play uh, all around the conference. So it was, you know, like last year we had, um, uh, we had the same, we had basically the same squad, um, but we had, um, uh, a young team and they, it was trial by fire. You just had to put them all on the field. Um, we didn't have as many girls at tryouts. We kept uh, the schools asked us to keep smaller teams um, so that we could, you know, contract it, contract trace a little bit better. Um, and then uh, so those girls, they, they learned pretty quickly, um, you know, in, in other years, they may not have gotten the shot because there might've been other girls ahead of them. Um and uh, they may not have, uh, we might've had bigger squads, so they may not have uh, played as much, but since we had smaller teams, they played all the time. And I think that's translating over into this year's team that we have a group of girls who uh, since their sophomore year, basically, because we have a large group of seniors um, since their sophomore year have seen plenty of field time. And then we have a group of girls that are sitting, that are coming off the bench or sitting on the bench that when we train, uh, in training, uh, because they've been on the team for so long, um, we don't have a drop off in training. So it, we were able to train um, at a high level. Uh, we're able to bring four or five girls off the bench who can, um, we don't necessarily see a drop off uh, in the level of play. And I think that's really helped our team um, going forward. Now, you know, now going, if looking ahead two years from now, it could be different because um, we'll have to get that experience back. Uh, we're going to graduate in the next two years. We're going to graduate two large classes. Um, and our sophomore class was uh, our sophomore class is a pretty small class. Um, so 
you know, that's helped build a solid foundation around players. Um, so we've got a group of girls who have been kind of tested. Uh, they know what they know what it is to uh, kind of grit it out because uh, we've had to grind out a couple of games this year so far. Um, but, the, you know, because of that experience, I think they they were willing to grind it out. And, you know, like our school doesn't. Yeah, there are some schools who are uh, they have really top loaded talent. They have players on it who are just complete difference makers. Um, we don't always have that. Um, but we have girls who can play. Um, they're they're solid players. Uh, they come from their club team. They have uh, you know a good foundation. Um, but the biggest thing is is they're willing to to learn and work, um, which uh, which I think is awesome. That they're absolutely willing to work for something, um, and that allows them to grow while they're with us for those two and a half three months that they're with us. Um, you know, that you can see the growth in them. And I, you know, my job basically is I say, when, when I'm done with you at the end of the season, uh, I want you to go back to your club team and I want your club coach to be like, where, where do you play high school? Holy crud. You know, like how, when, when I left you three months ago, you were not this player. And that's, that's kind of our goal at Northwest is to have a, a standard that's pretty high. Uh, I'm not going to come down to you. I'm going to have you come to me. Um, and if you can't get to me, then I'll, uh, I'll meet you somewhere, but it's not going to be where you want it. You know, I'm going to, we're going to make you uncomfortable because uncomfortable players play better. And as we wind down here, um, talk about, um, just a few tips that you would have for coaches, uh, who might've come up to you that are starting out in the business or want to be coaches someday. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it, it took me a while. I think it took me a while, um, to learn this, um, even going back when I look back at, you know, I had a team back when I was in Virginia and if I was like, Oh, if I only knew this when I was a young coach and I had that team, um, like how good we could have been. Um, what, one of the biggest things is, is, um, you gotta let them play. Um, they, they need to play games. Uh, they're not there to there. You know, I, I watch a lot of, um, I watch a lot of the other sports around schools and I watch the number of lines kids stand. Kids don't come to practice to stand in line. Um, it's just not, that's not why they play soccer. Uh, they don't want to stand in line. They, you know, they, they should be active. Um, we start out, we try to start out every single practice, you know, at least one practice a week might not be that way just because of the way it is, but almost every single practice we start with a game and, the, and we just play. Um, there's sometimes there's rules, sometimes there's no rules, but the kids just come and we set up a game and we put the keepers in goal and we just let them play for about 10, 12 minutes. And they just come and they just knock the ball around, do their little thing. And then we kind of go into the session. Um, and, but it's always by games. And that's one of the things I've kind of learned over time, um, is that you can teach the game, um, through games. Uh, a lot of people want to teach the technical side of it, especially in high school. Now in club, it could be different in club is different because you have time. It's a longer season, uh, spread out over a period of time. You have to teach those technical skills. Uh, you have less players. So you tend not to have as many lines. Um, and the skill level is about the same. 
um, you know, from club team to club team, because they're all leveled off. Our skill level can be quite drastic from your top player all the way down to your, you know, your 19th player might be, uh, you know, a year or two behind where your number one and number two are. And so, you know, letting them play in games, it kind of equalizes them out. Um, and then, um, you know, putting conditions on the game, but then, you know, allowing them to have success in that uh, is really, really some of the biggest things. So if I was going to tell a, a new coach coming up, it'd be one, get away from the lines. Uh, two, don't use so many cones on the field that it looks like an airport. Um, because you can see, you know, it's structure is good, but at the same time, you know, let them kind of go outside the boundaries sometimes. Um, and three, let them play games, you know, teach within the game. There are a lot of games that teach uh, how to um, build possession. There are a lot of games that teach how to do overlaps. There are a lot of games that teach all the different things that you were going to teach in little tiny uh, specific drills, we'll call them, um, without them having to stand in lines. And you can teach that in the game. And then, you know, and then lastly, um, stay away from the negative. Uh, you don't have to correct them all the time. Um, find positive things that they're doing correctly um, and harp on those and stay away from the negative. Of course, you have to, you know, you have to, if it's something is truly just poor and it happens over and over again, you want to correct everybody and not single somebody out. But if, if they're, if somebody does something within the game that you're playing and they're doing it well, you know, enforce that, you know, yell out their name, tell them that they're doing it correctly. And then another player will do it and tell them they're doing it correctly. And then you'll, it's almost like a cascading effect. Other players will see what those players are doing and they want to hear that they want to hear the praise also. And so it's, you know, positive reinforcement instead of that negative reinforcement and just constantly, you know, praising them for it, praising them. It, it takes time. It sometimes it doesn't go as fast, but I think they, uh, they learn it better um, because they want to perform and uh, show you they know what they're doing. So once they get it, they're going to keep doing it. Um, and, and, and it just becomes like a, a, a rolling ball. Everybody on the team just starts wanting to do it, wanting to do it, wanting to do it. And you get a lot of results out of it. The other, one more thing too, a new coach work on transition moments. They are the most, they are probably the, the least trained, but the most, um, uh, the, the biggest part of the game, the, the, when teams are transitioning from offense and transitioning from defense, ha it happens all the time. It's 50% of the game. Um, and so 50% of the game is transitions from defense to offense. And so, but most coaches will train defending and train, train attacking, but they don't train the part in the middle. So the team never knows what to do to get into those positions or to, to, to slow the game down and transitions happen so fast that teams get, teams get flustered and don't know what to do and get, get lost and get out of position. And that's how goals are scored. And so if you train the transitions over and over and over again, when a transition occurs, it's not new to them. 
And because it's not new to them, the game becomes very slow for them. And just like anybody who's played a sport, as you get better in the sport, you know, you hear people say that the sport slows down and you start to see the field, you start to see what's going on. And that's what happens for high school kids is that if you train those transitions, the game will slow down and they will feel much more comfortable on the field and be where they're supposed to be. And you can give those positive reinforcements rather than those negative reinforcements, because you're not always directing traffic. Like you hear football coaches and basketball coaches always directing traffic. Soccer coaches can't do that. It's the field's too big for that. So you got to trust that they can do that work. Well, this has been a great conversation, Coach Murphy. Where can people find you on social media to connect with you? Or the uh, we have our, I have a Twitter handle. Um, uh, so it's Coach Murphy. Um, uh, we are we have our soccer Twitter handle, um, which is Northwest Girls Soccer. Um, and then anytime you know um, through the school website, um, and we're also on. Uh, Max Preps um, through there. Uh, anybody can contact us. Awesome. Well, as I said at the top, this has been our conversation today with Coach Terry Murphy, head girls soccer coach at Northwest Guilford High School. Coach, thanks again for coming on Triad All Stars. Hey, I really appreciate it. It was fun. Thanks.